0: Welcome to the Two Degrees Hotter podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Anya. And I'm Kylie. And we're two recent college graduates navigating young adult life in Boston, documenting it for you along the way. From college advice to post-grad problems, we're here to open the conversation of what it's like to be a 20-something, just figuring it out. We're excited you're tuning in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you like to listen. And we hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, you guys, and welcome back to another episode of Two Degrees Hotter. What is up? Um, I'm feeling a little weird because it's the first time that I'm recording without Kylie here with me. Um, and I actually like set up in my office space here at home, and I was all ready to record, and I was like, you know, this just ain't it. So I've moved to my bedroom. I lit a candle. I turned on the salt lamp um, nightlight that I just bought. So. We're vibing in here and we're ready to chat as pals all about Greek life. So I figured that by the time this episode goes up, recruitment registration is probably open. So I thought I would make this episode now in case you're considering going through recruitment and joining Greek life. Um, This episode is really going to be a high level look at my experience because there are obviously tons of components to the Greek life experience. um, But I'm going to talk about kind of Deciding to go into it, what recruitment is like, being a new member, kind of all the different aspects on a very high level. But if there's a topic that you hear about today that you would like me to expand about more in depth, um, I would love to do that for you if you want to shoot me a DM or I could even make another episode if there's something you guys want me to expand upon. So, yeah, I just want to use this episode to be really honest about my experience so that you can decide what's best for you. And that's about it. So I'm gonna jump into the segments solo. So for the week in review um, today, actually a couple hours ago, my family just got a new car, which means that I have a different car. So when I got my license, I was so lucky to be passed down a 2002 Honda CRV and. I always really loved driving a CRV. I felt like it was kind of a personality trait of mine. It was like the old looking kind of Jeepy version. And I really liked it. I really liked the vibes. Um, But I didn't bring my car to school because you really don't need one in Boston. It's honestly kind of a hassle to have one with parking being so difficult and whatnot. Um, But ever since starting college, the car has literally never passed annual inspection without needing some fixes and dropping a couple hundred to a thousand dollars every year. And it literally had 240,000 miles on it, which is crazy. So my dad was planning on upgrading to a Mini Cooper for a little while now, and that is his dream car. Um, And so when it got to be the inspection month a couple months ago for this car, we all knew that it just wasn't worth getting it inspected and likely having to fix it again. So we went and picked up his Mini Cooper today. He's so excited about it. It's a 2020 Countryman Cooper S. I think, not that I really know anything about cars, but that means that we traded in that CRV and I'm getting his 2012 Subaru Impreza, which is arguably a way nicer and newer car than my CRV was, but I was just so sad to say goodbye. And it's interesting because I don't usually attach a lot of sentimental value to objects. Like that's just never been a trait of mine. Like I remember when my mom was going to get rid of some dance costumes, she like really wanted me to keep a few and she was like, "Oh, don't you want to have some for like memories and" I don't know. I'm just not really like that. Like I was like, eh, just kind of clutter, you know, like get rid of them. (laughs) Um, But I was surprised that I felt really sad saying bye to the Honda, but she's going to a better place. And now we've got a couple newer cars to keep us us mobile. So that's always good. Um, And I ordered a new little rear view mirror decal and some car coasters. So we're going to make her cute and she'll be great. She'll serve me well, I'm sure. Another topic that I wanted to talk about in my week in review is that I might be becoming a manager kind of soon, which is crazy. Um, So we're currently interviewing for a fall co-op or intern. And so by the time that this goes up, I'm sure we'll have one hired and they might've even started already. Um, But we have a pretty small team at my work. So we're kind of at a point organizationally and structurally that it makes sense to start changing that reporting structure. So Even though I just started in mid-May, we might have someone reporting to me soon, which is kind of crazy. So it's unclear if it'll be this upcoming intern cycle or next. It's kind of just going to depend on who we hire and kind of what the best fit is. But it's just crazy that I could be someone's manager in the near or relatively near future. Um, And I just feel like that's such a huge responsibility and I'm excited to take it on. But I just really didn't expect to have that opportunity so early in my career. And I had a couple young managers Um, shout out PJ and Anna and they were so critical to me and to my career experiences and I really want to be that for someone and I just feel like working on yourself and your role and also someone else and making sure that they're getting the most out of the experience is such an interesting concept. Um, I actually have some kind of sorority experience that's a little bit relevant for both this topic and this episode in kind of similar mentorship leadership positions but I just haven't been responsible for someone's like actual career development before, which is funny because I'm very much still developing my own career. But I feel like that'll be cool to kind of be in a relatable position and kind of be able to give them genuine advice. So yeah, that's really exciting. And if anyone knows of any free manager crash courses or resources or videos or anything like that, definitely let me know because I want to enter into this um, new management role with like the best preparation possible so that I can give. Whoever reports to me, whether it's now or in a couple months, um, a really good experience. So yeah, that's just literally whack. I did not expect to be um, a manager so early on, but I'm really lucky for it and it'll be a great experience, I'm sure. Let's get into the favorites of the week. It's funny that I said favorites because since it's just me, it's actually only one favorite. (laughs) Um... But this week I wanted to talk about how I've been into songs with kind of a resurgent 80s feel to them. This is like a very specific subject matter, so it might just be me that's interested in this kind of thing. But I've noticed that recently there's been kind of a trend um, in resurging like the pop kind of indie feel from the 80s. So two songs that kind of come to mind embodying this trend when I think about it personally are Wildflower by 5 Seconds of Summer and If You're Too Shy by the '1975 both of which are pretty new songs. I both I think they both came out this year. So yeah, um, if you're into that and that sounds interesting, I would definitely recommend checking out those songs. They're just kind of really fun, like summery vibes. And um, yeah, just like a cool style to them, I think. I keep saying like resurgence, but I guess that's the best word. I've been really into kind of like the more modern take on the 80s songs. So those two examples I gave. And I feel like the 1975 has had that vibe going for some of their songs for a while. And I feel like it just makes them so fun and kind of like, embedded nostalgia in a way like you listen to it and you just feel like you're the main character if that makes sense you're the main character in like a coming of age movie so yeah I've really been enjoying that and while I was thinking about this I was also considering the idea of possibly putting together like a two degrees hotter collaborative playlist so let me know if that's something you guys would be into I feel like that'd be really fun we could even do like a seasonal one and everyone could add their favorite songs and um, I always love discovering new music, so I think that would be a really cool way to do it and kind of get connected with you guys. So yeah, slide into our DMs, our suggestion box, if that's something you'd be into. I'm totally down to start it. Um, I'm a big Spotify girl. I don't really know how collaborative playlists work on Apple Music or anything like that, but we can talk about it. We can, you know, we can discuss if um, we're really into it. So yeah. All right, hopping into the main episode topic, um, today we're talking greek life specifically my sorority experience um so i wanted to start this episode off by just giving a bunch of disclaimers just so you kind of know a little more background going into it about my specific situation so if you're new here i went to school in boston i went to northeastern university and i was kind of in a quote northern sorority you could say it was founded in new york um i don't think it has a like a large presence at a lot of southern schools and i also joined as a sophomore. Um, which is a little unique, as I understand. So keep in mind, I was in Boston, so there was no Greek housing. It's actually illegal in Boston, which is really interesting. So, I mean, of course, there's like large houses and apartments where a bunch of members of a particular organization just happen to live together. Of course that happens, but you just can't broadcast it as Greek housing. You can't have letters displayed outside or anything like that. Yeah, I think that definitely like shaped my experience a bit, but I still think a lot of my experience is going to be cross-applicable across the country. Um, because so many things are transferable across different chapters, and you know, there's so many traditions that all sororities adhere to. I just wanted to make that clear that maybe I can't exactly speak to like the SEC experience all that accurately, but again, worth a listen. I think um, there are a lot of commonalities. So, yeah. Final disclaimer that I wanted to give is that I can only really speak for my experience in a sorority that was part of the National Panhellenic Conference. But there are also multicultural organizations that are so cool and so awesome and they do really, really awesome events from my experience and people really, really enjoy being in them. So my Greek life experience is definitely a very narrow view of like the larger Greek life um, options available and I would totally encourage you to do your research on what's available at your school and I just wanted to be really clear that like this is a narrow experience and there are so many different experiences to speak to and yeah, so I'll just go ahead and start talking about mine. So let's get into high-level deciding to rush or go through recruitment. I'm going to use those terms interchangeably because I know they're kind of normalized in different places. So um, at my school, we use the term go through recruitment, but I know in the South, rush is a more popular term. So just so you know, those are the same thing. So some considerations that you should think about prior to deciding you want to join a chapter um, are costs. Um, I know this is extremely variable across schools and obviously schools with housing the costs are going to be much higher I think that's kind of the bulk of the costs for a lot of um, sororities as I understand but just kind of ballpark at my northern school without Greek housing dues ranged from about 300 to about 700 from what I heard um, from my friends in different organizations and it's worth noting that your first semester in a sorority is pretty much always going to be the most expensive one And that's for a number of reasons, but mostly because there are some upfront costs associated with joining. Um, The most notable one being your pin. So um, I think all chapters have their own pin, but it's literally like a piece of jewelry, probably gold or vermeil or something of the sort. And um, it's kind of, you wear it as like a badge of your membership and you have to buy it your first semester and it's usually a couple hundred dollars. So yeah, it's always most expensive when you first join, but This was always something that I was lucky enough to be able to pay myself through um, working over the summer or kind of using my internship money. Um, But it's definitely not unusual for people's parents to pay. And I think there's a lot of like TikToks about that phenomenon, um, about like Bill Highway and Omega One and all these things. Um, But I definitely think at my school, it was feasible for people to afford this on their own. And that was something I was really proud of that I wasn't kind of including my parents in this. and I was really like taking it on independently. that's kind of the first thing that I want you to think about is if you can afford it, quite frankly. Um, I know a lot of chapters have kind of payment plans you can be on, which I think is really great. I personally didn't participate in them because I was very rarely making money throughout the semester. I was more so losing money. So it was better for me to just pay up front and know that it was budgeted for and everything rather than like, see $100 disappear every month but that's just me um I know a lot of people did the payment plans and really benefited from them so that's also worth noting that there are definitely ways to like work around any financial status and lots of scholarships and um my experience was not even close to how expensive I've heard it can be in the south where it can be a couple thousand dollars but again I really think the majority of that is the housing aspect and kind of the maintenance of an entire house so worth looking into the school that you're going to and kind of seeing um how those dues look and i think that's something that they're frequently published on their like panhellenic websites the averages and if not it's something that's totally fair to ask during recruitment Um, at least at my school it was and i mean it's a real valid concern and you want to be prepared so yeah cost was the first thing i wanted to bring up the second thing i wanted to bring up was just the time so usually being in a chapter you need to attend weekly chapter meetings which are about an hour long I mean, obviously varies if you're like going to do voting or something like that. But I would say on average, probably about an hour. And you also need to commit to being able to go to a certain amount of events because most chapters have like a point system where in order to be in good standing, you have to have attended a certain amount of events where like, in reality, you're going to want to go to these events anyway, because you're kind of paying for them through your dues. So if you're not going, it's kind of a waste. Um, And they're fun, obviously. But um, yeah, so there's some time associated with it, some time factors. So if you're like, super involved in your academics or super involved in another organization, that could be something to consider is that you're going to have to put a couple hours in a week. And obviously, if you end up in a leadership position, which I'm going to talk more about later in this episode, um, that would be more, more time dedicated to the chapter. Um, and when I say chapter, I mean like your sorority, basically like your organization. That's kind of the word for it. Um, so when I was vice president of my sorority, I was probably putting in like Oh, gosh I don't know seven to ten hours a week it was almost like a part-time job honestly so keep that in mind but yeah so time was the second thing I wanted to bring up and then lastly just considering if you're doing it for the right reasons making sure you're not kind of going into it as like a, a status symbol or really looking to insert yourself into a certain group or anything like that because um, I think those intentions can come across like very clearly and I think you just like mutually won't benefit. The organization won't benefit from having you as a member and you won't benefit from the organization if all you're focused on is kind of reaching a given status through your membership. So really like check in with yourself and think about whether or not you are doing it for the right reasons. And I'm going to get into all those reasons in a couple minutes, but yeah, just kind of think about like, why do I really want to do this? So for me personally, I didn't choose my school based on the fact that I had Greek life at all like I literally don't even think I ever thought about that through my college application process Uh, maybe it's because we are from like northern states and I don't know it just wasn't really that heavy on my mind I never really thought it was the type of organization that I would want to join maybe that's because like All we saw was kind of the stereotype in movies and things like that. Yeah, I didn't really think of it or weigh it heavily at all going through the college search process, but I started dating my boyfriend, Grant, right before college started, literally like the August before freshman year, Um, and he had already gone to Northeastern, and he was in a fraternity, and he was kind of the first person that I personally knew that was in Greek life and was having a really great experience with it. And um, after kind of hearing about the impact that it had on his freshman year, combined with the fact that I was going to be abroad for my very first semester, which I've touched on a couple times in the past, but yes, I was abroad my very first semester of college. I decided that it would be something really great for me to personally do because coming back freshman year spring, it can be a little tough to make friends. And I thought this would be a really great way to make friends. And I saw all the fun that he was having. And so I was honestly so anxious for September to come. I remember second semester. I was like truly just like twiddling my thumbs from January to April, like wondering what I was going to do with all this time because I just really wanted to be a part of something and um, Greek life was it for me. So that was kind of my rationale. Now I'll kind of get into what is rush slash recruitment itself. Um, So this can vary at different schools, mostly by like your school size. I know a lot of Southern schools do recruitment prior to the semester starting. So like in August, you'll go and stay for a week prior to everybody else and go through recruitment and then start the semester off already in a chapter or being a new member or like a pledge, quote unquote, at Northeastern. It was two weekends in September for us. And, um, and I think it's pretty normal that there are four rounds across different universities. So those rounds are the open house round, philanthropy round, sisterhood round, and preference round. So all of these days kind of lend themselves to understanding different Components of the sorority that you're visiting, Um, and every day you'll bump down a number that you visit. So, for example, when I went through recruitment, my school had nine sororities, and it started with nine on the first day, and then you could go to seven tops on the next day, or six maybe, and then four tops, and then two tops. I could be remembering that a little bit wrong because the number has changed since I've been on the other side of recruitment, but I'm pretty sure that was how it worked. Not everybody would have a full schedule for the days beyond the first one. So on the first one you would go see every single chapter. Um and then the next day you could have up to six or seven and then four and then two. So not everybody would have a full schedule and that was totally okay. I think there's like kind of a stigma around not having a full schedule. Honestly it's kind of nice. You can like rest up between the parties. That's what they're called. Visiting the chapters is called parties. And I think it's kind of nice you can rest up and kind of just really like meditate and like really consider like what you're really thinking about the sororities. It's pretty rushed running from like party to party and like being on the other side of recruitment just having to do all of them is like so exhausting so don't be like part on yourself if you don't have a full schedule honestly it's pretty nice and some of your friends probably wish that they didn't have a full schedule so yeah um I guess just kind of going through open house round is very like it's the most casual day so you'll have like the most high level conversations the most kind of like surface level conversations you'll be dressed the most casually most likely And then the second day, which for us was philanthropy round, will be focused on the organization that the chapter does um, charitable work for, which I'll get into this a little bit more later. Um, And then you'll be a little more dressed up. So I think I wore rompers the first two days um, and just like a slightly dressier romper the next day. Um, And then sisterhood round, which is when they'll usually play like a little recruitment video and talk a lot about their friends in the chapter and all the memories that they've had and whatever. Um, And on that day, I wore a dress. So it's like a little bit dressier even. And then on pref night, it's the dressiest night and it's often the most kind of ceremonial night for a lot of chapters. So um, we personally do a ritual. My chapter personally does a ritual during um, pref round, which I know some other chapters do as well. And um, you'll be dressed the most formally and you'll be having the deepest conversations about which organization you're really going to join, because at this point it's likely down to two. And you're really having to decide and kind of see how your college experience is going to play out. Um, And my only recommendation for this night would be to not wear black, white, or red. Because some of the chapters will be wearing that. And it's a little awkward if you walk into a room where everyone is wearing black that's in the sorority and you're also wearing black. Um, It doesn't really matter. Like if black's your favorite color, totally go for it. If you feel like you look best in it and you feel really confident, that's awesome. That's all you. Um, But that would just be my recommendation is... I would personally feel a little awkward if I like accidentally matched with everybody. So um, yeah, just like try to be yourself, try to share your style and consider those conversations deeply and really like think about where you vibe and where you could see yourself not only going out with these people, but hanging out with these people, these people becoming your best friends, these people becoming your fam. Like it really matters, honestly, like what you choose. I know. There's like certain types of people in every chapter. There's going to be like the same types of people across different organizations. But I think as a whole, like your value set will really determine where you end up. Don't look at Greek rank. I'm going to talk about this a little later in the Q&A. So stay tuned. But just like, just don't like, please don't. (laughs) I do want to say for those of you that are going to be freshmen this year or sophomores or third years, you know, whatever year you are, if you want to go through recruitment, Um, Fingers crossed that it can still be done in somewhat normalcy with COVID-19. I'm really curious because in typical years, those rooms are absolutely packed and so loud. So I just really don't know how they're going to do that with social distancing. But fingers crossed that you get to have a normal, somewhat normal recruitment experience. And I'm hoping that works out for everyone. (laughs) All right, moving right along. Once you have picked your chapter, it will be midday. And um, honestly... (laughs) I wish someone told me this before I had my personal bid day when I joined. Bid day is low-key only fun for the current sisters. Like, I feel like a lot of people put pressure on bid day to, like, take the cutest photos and, like, have the greatest time. But honestly, I think everyone that's in a sorority now can relate that bid day is just, like, super awkward. Like, you're really happy to be part of an organization and you're really happy to have, like, gotten the one you wanted or whatever. But it's just, like, you don't know anybody yet and you're expected to, like, run up to them and party and, like eat pizza and like I don't know it's just a little weird so don't put a lot of pressure on your bid day (laughs) like it's okay if you don't get cute photos I personally didn't get any cute photos like it's just it's it's part of the you know the ceremonial aspect of it all and part of the kind of the stereotype of what it means to be in Greek life but don't put so much pressure on it It, everyone feels weird and if they don't they're just really good at not showing it (laughs) um it's just really more more so fun for the girls that are currently in the organization and already know people and are excited to welcome new members. It's really not that fun (laughs) on the other side. New member period or pledge period. We personally were told at my school not to say pledge period because it implies hazing. Um, So I'm going to call it new member period. Kind of spans a couple of weeks to a full semester depending on your organization. And it'll basically just be like a couple months of attending weekly meetings and learning about the organization and the founders and the values and kind of what your obligations will be as a full-time member and it's kind of like a trial period to see if this is for you. I am I'm pretty sure in the Panhellenic Conference, which is like the traditional national governing body of a lot of sororities. I'm pretty sure that if you go through the new member process with a sorority but you don't get initiated, you can still drop and then go through recruitment again the next year. So it's kind of just a time for you to figure out if this is really what you want and if you feel like this organization is aligned with your values and to, to kind of like get to know girls and yeah, usually people in your pledge class will get pretty close to each other because you're all usually of like similar age and um, going through the same thing. Yeah, I thought it was a really fun time and um, I was nervous (laughs) during a lot of that. I put a lot of pressure on like trying to make friends right away, but it's just like anything else in life. Like you're not going to immediately click with people and that's okay. And you kind of figure out who your closest friends are like further down into your experience. And like, that's totally fine. So while I'm kind of Talking about new member process and "quote unquote" pledging, I just want to say, hazing is literally not a thing in my experience, Um, and I feel like a lot of people will say this in their Greek life-related content. Everyone still thinks they're lying. Like everyone's like, "Oh, you just can't talk about it. You're just covering it up." Like obviously you haze. Like people just think we're lying, and we're so not lying. At least I'm so not lying. Um, If if you were hazed, like, why would you want to become a part of that organization? You know, like, if people were genuinely, like, scary or mean or, like, demeaning to you, like, why would you want to become one of them? Like, that's just been the biggest disconnect for me. Um, And I know with fraternities, it's a little more normalized, which is bad, but true. And it sucks. But I can 100% say I was not hazed. Nobody that I know in Greek life at my school was hazed. Really don't worry about it. And if you do get haze, that is totally something to bring up to your school because they should not be doing that. And that is just really not what Greek life is like supposed to be about at all. (laughs) So disclaimer, like we really don't haze. People always think I'm lying, but we don't, okay? (laughs) And then another thing that will happen during your new member process is that you will get your big or your fam in general, um, which is literally the best. I am probably the closest with my family out of anyone in my sorority. And if you're confused about like family, what are you talking about? Um, You get like a big sister in the organization that serves as a mentor figure, usually a little bit older and kind of like guide you through your new membership and um, usually becomes a pretty good friend. And then um, you also take littles when you have been in the organization for a little while and the family lines can get like pretty intense. You can have like a grand big and even like a niece and it's just like it gets crazy, but We'll leave it at big and little. Um, so that's usually a really fun part of your new member process is finding out who your big is, and they'll usually give you little gifts, and it's just really special. Shout out Dana, my big, and shout out Emma, my little. Um, I literally sound like such a stereotypical sorority girl right now. I'm like really not, <laughs> but um, they just really have been so special, and I think most people would say that of their fam is that you really connect, and it's so great, and you always have someone to do something with. So, um, and my little Emma is actually an international student, so. I just wanted to bring that up really quickly because um, a lot of international students are really curious about Greek life. And I think that's great. It's like obviously a pretty stereotypical like North American college thing to do. So if you're an international student and you're interested in it, like totally go for it. And um, I want to have Emma on here at some point to talk about being an international student in general. So maybe she can touch on that one day. But yeah, so that's kind of like high level what your new member process looks like um, when you join a sorority. So now I kind of wanted to talk about a couple of the main areas that Greek life tends to focus on and kind of like my experience in all of them. So I'm going to go through this in order, first being leadership, then friendship, scholarship, philanthropy, social, and career opportunities. So hopping into the leadership aspect of Greek life, um, speaking for my experience, there were literally so many positions you could run for if you wanted to be involved in any sort of leadership role. So we had a G board, which was a general board that had 20 positions on it. And then we have an E board, executive board with 10 positions on it. And then we also had a standards board that kind of acted as like the judicial um, sector of the organization, I guess. And then there's also like committees on top of that for specific events, like formal and things like that. So there's literally so many ways to get involved in leadership if that's something that you're interested in. And usually something that's like, very geared towards your specific interest, which is cool. So um, my first semester when I was eligible to run for something, I was health and wellness chair where um, I kind of just promoted both mental health and physical health for the chapter. So I ran like a couple little speaker series and like a meditation workshop and some workout classes around Boston, which is really fun, Um, really kind of like easy way to get things started, learned about event planning and things like that. Um, And then I was PR chair. So I think a lot of people find this interesting, but I ran um, our sorority's Instagram and I feel like there's kind of a stereotype around like these extremely like aesthetic feeds. And I kind of was like in the early side of that. I was PR in 2018. So it wasn't like as developed as as it is now, but it was really fun, you know, develop a little Lightroom filter and get it going. (laughs) Um, Then all of 2019, I was vice president which oversees the general board with 20 positions that I was talking about and kind of acts as the liaison for executive board. And, and every organization does this differently. So the positions might not be exactly aligned in all sororities, but that's what it was for us. And I think that's pretty typical to have a kind of like a lower tier leadership board, lower commitment board, and then a higher commitment executive type board with the president and the treasurer and all that. So I think getting involved in leadership was really great for resume stuff and learning to manage people for my position specifically. And also just work with a team of like diverse working styles. That was the first time that I really had to work closely with people that weren't in my major or like weren't very similar to me. And I think it was a really big um, learning experience. I will say like it was pretty tough to be in charge of 100 plus girls because everyone, you know, everyone's in this organization because they want a certain thing out of it and everyone's paying for it and really like investing in it. And so it makes sense that everyone kind of has their preferences and they're going to be vocal about that. And in retrospect, I totally understand. But there were a couple of times when I was vice president that I felt a little cornered or a little uncomfortable. Um, but I think it was important that I had those like growing experiences and learned how to deal with people and learned how to deal with criticism for the first time in any major way. And you're always going to have that as a leader, no matter what type of organization you're in. So yeah, um, kind of just wanted to be candid there. Things weren't always easy. I don't want to be like super dramatic about it. Like I know I was literally just vice president of a sorority. It's like not that groundbreaking, but it was a really big part of my my year. And like I mentioned, I did put a ton of time into it. And so yeah, um, just kind of take that as you will, I guess. So yeah, but I would encourage you to run for a position if you're interested. And if nothing else, it shows people that you're interested. And if you don't get it this time, maybe you'll get it next time. And um. A lot of our positions were elected by like popular vote. So just like heads down, hands up type of thing or like using an app. Um, And then our executive positions were actually elected by what was called Slate, which was essentially a board of sorority women that were elected to kind of be the governing body and choose. So you kind of interview in front of like 12 people, I think it was. And it's supposed to kind of lessen the bias. And I think a lot of organizations do that in a similar way, just kind of like checks and balances to make sure that It's not just a popularity contest and i think that's really great so yeah if you want to know more about like my experience as vice president i could dig more into it or you can feel free to message me um and i'm really proud of having done that i think it was so 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 formative like so formative i learned so much so much doing that um but i won't say it was always easy because it really wasn't so next up i wanted to touch on friendship Um, obviously this is the reason that most people join sororities or should be joining sororities. I kind of wanted to make it clear here that by joining a sorority, you're really not paying for friends. I know that's like a big stereotype, but like if you could just pay for friends, then like that would be so easy, right? Like, I just think it's, it's so true that like you have to foster the relationships just like you would in any other situation nobody in your sorority is going to care to be friends with you just because you're in their sorority you really have to like provide some value or substance or like be an interesting person or make an effort to talk to them and ask them about them like it's just really not that easy I wish I could say it was that would be awesome just like pay a 100 bucks have some friends but like it's really not like that and I just think that phrase is so funny um but no like in reality you have to put work into making your friends and it's like that in a sorority just like literally any other organization or any other workplace or like just any other life situation um so yeah I just kind of wanted to like touch on that stereotype if anyone ever brings that up to me I'm like come on like that is just it that is not how it works I became personally really close with my fam like I mentioned and then also some girls on the e-board that I was on because we were spending so much time together so I feel like at first, um, I found it a little difficult to connect with people. And I think finding my place in leadership and within my fam really, really helped. So if you are currently in a sorority and you're feeling a little out of place, I would definitely recommend just like getting out of your comfort zone and talking to people that you wouldn't normally talk to. And my chapter personally had a Facebook group where people would literally just post like, oh, we're hanging out on my roof deck. Like whoever wants to come over, come over. Or um, we're going to go to this bar tonight. Like anyone that wants to come, like we'll Uber from this place so yeah just like do those things you know like take the leap you probably won't regret it like you'll always meet new people and you won't get along with everybody and that's okay that makes sense right you're it's a hundred plus girls like you're not going to get along with every single person you meet but you do have this like commonality tying you to this greater organization it's cool to like explore that even if you seem pretty different on the outside take the chance and trust me you're not paying for friends it's not that easy (laughs) Next up, I wanted to talk about scholarship, which is another big aspect of Greek life. And every chapter at my school had a minimum GPA. I think that's pretty normal. So keep that in mind. Um, In order to be in Greek life, you do have to keep your grades up to a certain extent and just kind of check in on that regard. And I remember my parents kind of giving me not an ultimatum, but like a warning where they were like, if your grades tank because of this, like it's over. So obviously that inspired me to work really hard to stay in the chapter. Um, But there are also so many ways that sororities can help you in your academic career, which I think people don't really realize on the outside. They really think it's all about like parties, which there definitely are parties, don't get me wrong. But um, there are like a lot of embedded resources that people don't really realize. So for my chapter, we had study hours that we would book out like specific rooms in our um, school's library a couple days a week. And it was like reserved time for anyone in our chapter to go and have a quiet place to study. And of course you would meet people there and kind of goof off (laughs) normally. But the idea was that you would go and study. And I often had the room to myself um, depending what time I went. So that was always really great. Um, We also had academic Facebook groups based on like what college you were in. So like I was in the College of Science. There was a College of Science Facebook group where people could ask specific questions about like classes and professors and recommendations and things like that. And we also had like a Google Drive situation where people would upload textbooks or like old practice tests and things like that and just really like share resources when possible. In my experience, it was just really nice to always know someone in your class um, because chances are there would be someone from either my organization or like a friend of a friend in another chapter that I would know in pretty much every class that I was in. So it's just really great to like have something immediately click on. Next up, I'm going to talk about philanthropy. So I mentioned before that every chapter, every sorority, every like national organization has a national philanthropy or a few that they donate to through the events that they hold and then there are also some like local philanthropies or um, local community service organizations that we also partnered with and I think that's pretty universal. Um, Most chapters kind of have like a token event that they do on like a yearly basis or a semesterly basis to kind of raise the bulk of their donations. So for example my chapter did like a fall fest type of like carnival which was always really fun Um, I know one of the chapters at my school did Big Man on Campus, which was basically like a pageant for fraternity men, which was always so funny and like such a good idea and so entertaining. Um, And then I know Grant's fraternity did Waffle Bash, where they just sold like really delicious waffles or you could like put your own toppings on it. So yeah, every organization kind of has their own token event that people look forward to. And normally it's a requirement that you go to at least one other organization's event and like show your support and kind of makes like a cool community around it. And everyone is raising money for an organization that they care about. There's normally someone specifically in charge of philanthropy um, in every organization. So vice president of philanthropy or philanthropy chair or something like that. So if you're interested in charity work, that would be a really cool position to run for. And it's a lot of fundraising, which isn't always glamorous, but you can rest assured that it's likely going to a good cause. And a lot of chapters have like a minimum fundraising standard that they need to meet. So being really creative about it, can help all right let's get into the social aspect i know this is the one everyone's been waiting for so um there are kind of like a couple tiers to this i'm going to talk through the first being official socials and mega socials so this could vary like school to school but for us this meant that this was like a what's the word i'm looking for this was like a contracted event through a venue likely like a club in downtown that's what it normally was for us And it was, like, either one fraternity and one sorority, or, like, a mega social would be, like, a combination of, like, two sororities, two fraternities, whatever. And, um, there would be this, like, contracted event, and there would be, like, some food, some snacks, um, and, like, an over-21 section. You could buy drinks. So those were always really fun. And then this would also encompass, like, semis and formals, where, um... They could vary in location. It was pretty traditional for, at least at my school, for the sororities to stay local and the fraternities to go somewhere. So, for example, like normally the sororities would be at some like Boston-based hotel or something like that. The fraternities would go to like Providence, Rhode Island, or like Jay Peak, or like somewhere in Vermont or Maine, or like just some destination. It would be like a weekend event, whereas the sororities were normally more local and just kind of like a night long situation so those were always really fun and some of my best memories are from those events and it's just so fun to like get dressed up and kind of feel like you have a little prom to look forward to like every semester and of course groups affiliated naturally outside of these events as well but at northeastern we didn't really like have ties to specific fraternities like i know at some schools it's like delta zeta is always affiliated with i don't know like kappa sigma or something like that but it wasn't like that at Northeastern. It was actually like discouraged that we put labels on things like that. So I think everyone kind of affiliated with everybody, if you know what I mean. And um, yeah, events were like relatively inclusive in that sense. <laughs> so I don't think there was like a ton of exclusivity around like who hung out with who, at least from my perspective. And there were certainly some hangouts and affiliations outside of just official socials. Um and that's what kind of makes the community cool is that there's always something going on on the weekend. So, yeah, um, I will use this time to touch on off-campus organizations. So at Northeastern, we only had a couple of these, but um, one of which was kicked off our campus, one of which was never on campus, and one of which was like a regional fraternity. So, I mean, I, the people that I know in these organizations are great and like totally, like totally, like normal guys. Um, but I know there are some scary stories about off-campus fraternities since they're not really like regulated by the school and they can kind of do whatever they want. So just be careful if you're going to go hang out at an off-campus fraternity, um, just make sure you have like some really good friends with you and kind of communicate what your situation is to people, um. But yeah, I just kind of wanted to leave that disclaimer. I feel like that's important to note. If you are a freshman going into college, I wish someone told me that, that they can be a little sketchy. Lastly, I wanted to talk about career opportunities. So this is something that I think people don't realize when they join a sorority is that there are like so many alumni and alumni are so willing to help their like sisters. I hate saying that, but like they're sisters from the organization. Um, so for example, we kind of have like a code phrase that, We say when you are trying to see if someone else is in my sorority and I was actually at an airport and some random woman came up and said it to me and I was like so confused and shocked until I realized I had a button on my backpack that said what sorority I was in. So yeah, there's just like so many adults randomly in life that you'll run into that you didn't even realize were part of a Panhellenic organization and so many of them are like in regular careers and like living their life. So I would recommend joining alumni networks even when you're a current member on Facebook and LinkedIn and kind of like seeing what opportunities and what kind of alumni are from your organization. And then, um, I remember people were always so helpful when people were looking for co-ops at Northeastern. That's like a really big deal is like your internships that you do. So, so I remember alumni would post in like specific Facebook groups saying that their company was hiring and that they would love to pass their resume on. So yeah, there's just like lots of ways to get your foot in the door, just a little easier through those types of connections. And I would encourage you to look out for those. And not every employer is going to like love or be totally wowed by the fact that you in Greek life on your resume, but the ones that will are really going to help you out. And I just think there's like a good camaraderie around that. So yeah, take advantage and keep that in mind that you're also joining like a huge network that could benefit you down the line. So now I'm going to get into some questions that we got through our Q&A on our Instagram. So if you're wondering how to participate in these going forward, we post little stories on our Instagram periodically. We've done it for both of these solo episodes that we've recorded just to kind of get a sense for what people's questions are and make sure that we can answer them whenever possible. So, yeah, follow our Instagram if you want to participate in these going forward. But I will just hop right into the questions that I got. So, the first question that I got was Was the sorority you ended up in your top choice when rushing? Um, and this is a really interesting story. I would not recommend going about this with the attitude that I did. And I talked about this in a previous episode, but essentially, because I was a sophomore, because I already had some older friends that were in Greek life. Because I had already been at the school for a year, I definitely just knew a little a little too much. And I had a lot of preconceived notions about what organization that I should be a part of. And so I kind of had narrowed it down to like artificially three in my head that I thought were good fits for myself. And then I think I really like tunnel-visioned myself into only focusing on those, which was totally inappropriate. And I like definitely had great conversations with other organizations and other organizations definitely had super cool philanthropies and ideas. And I wish that I had paid more attention to them. And I really did myself truly a disservice by like not paying more attention. Um, and that I talked about that in the college regrets episode. So if you are going through recruitment, like I know it can be hard, but just like truly do not check Greek rank, like It is so toxic, the stuff that goes on there. And it's just like a joke from the other side. Like, I cannot reiterate that enough. Greek rank as a website, when you are on the other side and you are part of an organization, literally everyone just like thinks it as like a meme. Like, none of it is true. Like, it is just immature people trying to take out their negative energy somewhere. Like, just don't even give it the time of day. It is literally such a waste. Um, But all of that to say, I kind of had tunnel vision for a specific chapter. And I had some friends in that chapter and they kind of promised me that they were going to pull through for me and it didn't work out and i like have no hard feelings because where i ended up made so much sense for me and i was so happy there yeah but just keep that in mind like there's truly no reason to not consider everything equally and you'll do yourself a favor by giving everything the best judgment you can give because if you end up in a chapter just because you thought you wanted to be there or just because you have like one or two friends there it might not be the one for you and honestly It was really fun being in different chapters than my friends because we all made our own friends and then they could be friends, you know, so something that I look back on and really wish that I I didn't put so much pressure on myself in that situation. And like, it just kind of ruined my experience because when that sorority dropped me, I was so devastated, even though I had so many great ones that I was still going to. And I wasn't paying attention to that. I was just paying attention to the fact that they dropped me, which is such an unproductive use of time. And I really genuinely hope if you get anything out of this, do not do that. Do not put so much pressure on yourself to join one particular organization. Even if you're, like, a legacy or something, a legacy means that, like, your mom or your grandma was in it. Like, it's so, it's so not that deep. Like, I hate to say it, every chapter is great in their own way, and, like, joining the one that's best for you is going to be the best decision no matter what. So don't worry if they drop you. You're probably better off. Like, you're fine. (laughs) This is what I would have told myself a couple years ago. The next question I got was pretty ominous, but it just said, was it worth it? (laughs) Um, and I think depending on kind of what you're getting at with this question, if you mean like the money or like the energy or just kind of the experience as a whole, I think for me personally, it was worth it because I really tried to suck out absolutely everything I could get from the experience. And I really tried to go to every single thing. And I really tried to run for all the positions that I wanted and be involved in lots of different like committees and aspects of the organization, but I can't speak for everybody. And some people do drop, some people disaffiliate. Some people do try again and that's okay. You know, like this isn't for everyone. And that's not like, that's not like a judgy thing. Like I genuinely have so many friends outside of Greek life that like would never want to be in Greek life. And like, that's cool. Like they have their own thing. And I think it's super interesting to hear about that. Yeah. I mean, I think it was worth it for me. I think that I worried a lot about things that didn't end up mattering in hindsight, but hindsight is always twenty twenty. 20 um, And I think if I could do it again, I definitely would have gone through recruitment again. I probably would have ended up in the same chapter again. But I would have just not worried so much. (laughs) Like I just think I really needed to like take a step back and like pat myself on the back and be like, Anya, it's literally just a club. Like it's just another organization. Like relax. Like nothing that happens here is that deep. And that would be one thing that I would tell myself because I definitely spent a lot of energy worrying. And I'm just that type of person. But especially being in like a high leadership position, I just worried a lot. (laughs) And like it's just, it's fine. Like everything's gonna be fine no matter what happens to your sorority. Like it's fine. So I would tell myself that, (laughs) Um, but overall I would say it was worth it, yeah. The next question is, is being in a sorority expensive? Do they make you buy certain clothes and dresses for events? So I think this kind of depends on your definition of expensive. It's definitely more expensive than most clubs on any given campus, but like I've mentioned, you can get a lot out of it if you make an effort to kind of get your money's worth and really attend all the events that you're probably paying for anyway. Um, my chapter kind of had a model where like you paid for most things in your dues and then because they were already paid for, you kind of had an incentive to attend them. But I know in fraternities, like in my boyfriend's fraternity, it was like you kind of paid baseline and then you would pay extra for the events that you wanted to go to. So some organizations are different in that way. I think it was reasonably priced for what I got out of it personally. And then as far as the certain clothes and dresses, I think the only circumstance where I can think of this being true was for recruitment but it was normally stuff that you already had in your closet or it was really easy to borrow stuff. So for example, like one of our recruitment days was like a white top and light wash jeans or a skirt. So like those were things that if you didn't have them, your roommate probably had one or like your someone else in your sorority. Like it was so easy to borrow from people. Um, I know other chapters were like more specific. I know my roommate once had an experience where they had to wear like a light blue top and like white jeans, which is like a little more specific and you might have to go out and buy something that specific or anything like that. Um, and normally when you have shirts that are like everyone wearing the same one, like for example for recruitment or for bid day or something like that, it's normally already paid for in your dues so you don't even realize that you're buying it. You don't really have to ever pay out of pocket for something like that for dresses, for events. Um, we did typically buy dresses for formal or semi or like a pantsuit if you're feeling real spicy. But people always shared this also. We actually had like a dress swap page that was like always always giving me notifications, people posting their dresses and trading and wearing this one to this frat's formal and wearing this one to this frat's formal. Like you really didn't independently have to own that much in my opinion. It was really just like having access to 100 plus people's closet, which is great. So the next question, I'm really glad someone asked this and it was, How many people of color were in your sorority? So I didn't really think it was productive to go through and count the number of girls in our roster, but like any organization, we are somewhat diverse, but we're always fighting to do better and we could always do better, especially right now in light of this whole movement that's going on. I definitely think that's something that Greek Life is going to look at as a whole. And if you're interested, if you are a person of color, totally, totally recommend rushing a Panhellenic sorority, but there are also specific Conferences um, like multicultural Greek life that I know a lot of people have found really great homes in, so that could be something to look into as well. Um, I know my sorority specifically was actually founded on the idea of being excluded, so we have a big focus on fostering diversity. It was founded by um, a number of Jewish women who were not permitted to join other organizations, so they started their own. So that's always been a really big value for us specifically. And um, when I was vice president, the president that I was working with Bree, she is a person of color and not to like point to a token, you know, Black friend in any way. I don't want to come off like that at all. But I just think it was like really, really great to see a fabulous, strong, amazing Black woman in a position of leadership. And I think it was a really great example across our community. And, you know, we could always, always, always do better. And I really want to emphasize that. But now that I'm out of it, I just hope um, that they're really putting an emphasis on that. And I know our national organization has just founded. A diversity and inclusion committee so I think it's something that's really top of mind and that we could always do better but I think we were always welcoming to different types of cultures and I was very curious to learn about them and I actually remember we had an event where it was like a a cultural potluck so everyone could kind of bring a food from their from their background and talk about it and that was really fun so yeah I think we're doing okay we could always do better and I feel like a lot of organizations would welcome any suggestions you could give them about how to do better. The next question was, do a lot of people have eating disorders? So not personally that I knew of, of course, this isn't something that you're necessarily broadcasting across a group of people. Um, I really hope no one in my organization struggled with an eating disorder, but I actually like being health and wellness chair, we did have a lot of focus on like loving the body that you're in and body confidence. And I, you know, we tried to make that A big component of the the position and the events, Um, and there was actually another sorority on our campus that had their national philanthropy was I can't remember exactly what the organization is called, but essentially, like a national eating disorder awareness organization, and so they always did really really great events around body positivity and body dysmorphia and like being a college student and things like that. So, yeah, those were always really great, and we always encourage people to go to those. But I personally didn't really experience that or know that that was a stereotype. So I'm glad you brought that up. If that is a stereotype of Greek life, um, I personally didn't know anyone, but again, maybe, but I hope not. (laughs) Lastly, um, the question I got, I guess it's not really a question, it's more of a statement, is showcase the toxic side. (laughs) So I thought about this for a while and I wasn't super sure what to say because I was lucky to have a pretty smooth experience, but I guess on this topic, I'll just say, like any group of, you know, strong, (laughs) passionate women, there's going to be some drama, whether it be with, like, leadership roles or, like, big little situations or just, like, general friend groups. Like, there's just always going to be drama and there's no avoiding that. And, like, any sorority that says that there's absolutely no drama internally is lying because that's literally just like natural for any large group of people to experience. You know, I think I think chapters do their best at kind of dispelling that when that happens and kind of talking through it. And yeah, so I I personally didn't experience any like toxic drama or anything like that. But, you know, you just gotta navigate it like you would any other life situation and take what you can and learn from it. And just kind of don't let it don't let it bother you if it's something you are experiencing. And if you're being hazed or if people are treating you horribly, then you don't want to be a part of that. You don't want to be part of that anyway. So just like keep that in mind and i was glad to get that question as well all right guys so that was pretty pretty packed i will say definitely let me know if you want me to expand on any of these topics and feel free to slide into my dms if you have any specific questions or if you want to know if your outfit is appropriate for recruitment or anything like that um i am a recent alum but because my sorority experience was such a big part of college for me like happy to talk about it Um, and kind of all the different facets that encompass it. But yeah, I hope this was clarifying if you are wondering if you should go through recruitment. Um, I guess my closing thoughts are that it is a really large commitment, at least it was for me, but I think I benefited a lot from it. And I think I'm taking a lot of the lessons that I learned as a member into my adult life and kind of like seeing the value of them. So yeah, but it's not for everybody and that's so fine, that's so okay. Everyone kind of finds what they're into in college. So if you like go through recruitment and drop Don't worry about it. And just kind of you figure out where you belong as you go. And I think that's true of like life as well. So yeah, definitely feel free to pick my brain if you feel like you want to. And um, we will be back next week with another episode. I will be rejoined by my co-host and um, yeah, we'll be back with our normal banter about post-grad life and our experiences. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, Would love if you could give us a follow on Instagram as well as a rating on Apple Podcasts. Feel free to slide into our suggestion box. And as always, thank you so, so much for listening and we will talk to you next week. Bye guys.